Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your place for all those filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. This is episode number 175 of this icy yet spicy sports podcast. And in this episode, we're here to talk about the weekend that was the 2023 NFL Divisional Playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, playoffs. We're here to talk about more playoffs uh, that happened this past weekend. Is The semifinal portion has wrapped up, and now we're well on our way to the Final Four, the championship round of the NFL playoffs. So, that being said, before we talk about these uh, divisional games, a little bit of housekeeping before we get things started. Uh, yeah, I really want to get the ball rolling uh, with my divisional playoff recap. But before we do, make sure you follow the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Lasagna. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not Twitter anymore, it's X, but nonetheless. If you're listening to this on audio, for all my audio listeners out there, um, make sure you rate and review the show. Give it a one to five star review. I'm giving you all more love on the audio side of things, um, especially with this playoff coverage and hopefully more episodes um, beyond that. But nonetheless, for all my audio listeners out there, uh, make sure you rate and review the show. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like the video, leave a comment, share this with your friends, share this with your stranger, share this with a neighbor, share this with, well, whoever you want to share this with. And most importantly, smash the subscribe button and just spread the good word of mouth, or maybe even the worst one, <laughs> about this show called Vericle Lasagna. And of course, share your own takes in the little comments down below about what I, whatever I talk about here on this show. So that being said, let's talk about this divisional uh, weekend in the NFL playoffs. The elite eight of these teams that I talked about had some past demons um, going into uh, the playoffs. You know, there was one team that had a, a past demon of what happened last year in the NFC title game. We'll get uh, to that team in a bit. And then there was another team that really couldn't uh, shake off the snake bitterness of trying to overcome the hump uh, for one particular AFC team. And then there was the other top-seeded team that really hasn't uh, gotten to the promised land, that being the AFC Championship game. And they're looking to do that for the first time um, in at least for hosting it, for hosting purposes. And then there's the other... Um, AFC team that they are facing that has never ever been to an AFC title game. So something had to give. Someone was going to conquer their demons um, going into the next round of the playoffs. So that all began. That all began with the AFC divisional matchup on Saturday on ESPN as the four-seeded Houston Texans took on the top-seeded Baltimore Ravens in a rematch of their week one meeting down in Baltimore, um, which the Ravens won over the Texans handedly at home. And that was CJ Stroud's, uh, the quarterback for Houston, CJ Stroud's first real NFL start. And that was also Lamar Jackson's first, uh, first game since game that big fat contract extension in the off season. So this, I thought, you know, it was going to be an interesting game. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot closer to the hip and you know, it was, it was to um, in the first half. In the first half, because you know both teams they were at a stalemate to start this game uh, for much of the first quarter, trading punts, trading field goals, um, and there was a uh, near near turnover by uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, but Kyle Hamilton dropped a would be tip interception prior to that uh, Houston field goal at some point in the first quarter. Um, but then you you see. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens kind of getting going uh, on the ground in the second quarter. They were burning the Texans' defense. Um, they get a touchdown uh, to Nelson Aguilar at the goal line. They take a 10-3 lead. Uh, on the other hand, you have C.J. Stroud in the Houston offense really struggling in this game against that very relentless, that very uh, brutal uh, Ravens defense. So they continue to go three and out. Um, and... That that Ravens, um, that Ravens defense is tough, man. It's just really tough. But despite all of that, you get closer to the end of the first half, and now it's the Ravens' turn to really start to stumble a bit. That Texans defense, it's now um, now getting some stops that it needs, 
and their special teams got a big play in before the end of the half. Um, it counterpunched uh, the Ravens um, with a big 69-yard. Uh, <laughs> nice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> a big 69-yard punt return uh, from Steven Stims, and it tied the game um, at 10 before the half. And, you know, they could have gotten more points out of it. Um, they could have taken a lead-changing field goal. But, unfortunately, Kaimi Fairbairn missed the missed the field goal. Um, and, well, they just really couldn't do anything um, after that. Although, they did get, actually, I take that back. They sacked Lamar Jackson big time, back-to-back, um, as the first half ended 10-all. So, yeah, a very sluggish uh, first half. It's on offense for the Texans, at least. But, you know, going to the second half, they gave themselves some solid momentum in the late stages of the second quarter that could perhaps wake their offense up in the second half, as long as they made the right adjustments. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Ravens um, in that first half, you know, they started off strong. They were pretty good on offense, like shades of the uh, of what they were doing in the regular season, but they were unable to shake away from the pressure of that Texans defense that was uh, being thrown in their face in the in the late stages of that first half. And now the pressure was on. It was suddenly a 10-10 game after allowing a special teams gaffe on their end. So pressure was on if they want to avoid this upset. So the Ravens actually managed to do that. They took away said pressures off of themselves with a second half opening drive. Lamar threw a dart to Nelson Aguilar, Isaiah Likely, Rashad Bateman. And then he decided to take it in for himself uh, to the end zone. Now, he gave his team a 17-10 advantage early in the third quarter, just like that, um, where the Texans still managed to struggle on offense. Like uh, they just cannot get anything going against that Ravens front. Yeah, they, they their offensive line is really beat up. They cannot handle the crowd noise, so it really seems like um, they really are struggling with pretty much just everything at this moment with this young Texans team. But the Ravens, you know, they start. They manage to settle in offensively. They go on this long drive um, that goes into the fourth quarter. Isaiah Likely catches a floater um, in the end zone. And, yeah, that's pretty much your ball game. 24-10. And then Lamar Jackson and Justin Tucker um, stat pad the score. Um, and it ends up being a 34-10 game when it's all said and done. So, I mean, for the, te- for the Texans, I mean... Their deficiencies, you know, it was just too much to overcome. You know, they were already beat up on both sides of the ball. They I think they lost a couple, a few starting offensive linemen heading into this um, in, in some point in the season, and they were really beat up on defense, but they still managed to fight. But unfortunately, um, the better team just came out of it in the end. So that being said, you know, CJ Stroud struggled all game long because the offensive line really couldn't hold up, like I said against the best defensive front remaining in the NFL, that being the Ravens. And then there are other deficiencies beyond him. I mean, running back Devin Singletary, there was a reason why the Bills let him let him go in free agency. Um, barely netted anything positive. Like, what happened to uh, Damian Pierce? You know, that breakout running rookie running back from last season. Like, what happened to him? So that made the Houston offense one-dimensional. Meanwhile, defensively, um, they just made a lot of mistakes, um, a lot of um, neutral zone infractions, a lot of offsides penalties, like too much of that to give the Ravens um, five additional yards on each and every like third down conversion. Um, and they also a lot of, lost a lot of key players in, in this one game alone. So for the Texans, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, it's going to hurt um, losing this game and not once again, not making it to the AC championship game, but you have a very good coach. You have a very good uh, quarterback. Um, and if you build, continue to build around um, these two, the future is very bright um, for the Texans. But as I just said moments ago, it's up to them to build and learn from this. And hopefully, I really hope they will because this Texans team is actually pretty exciting to watch. Meanwhile, for the Ravens, uh, they, they they managed to to come back to life in the second half after having a sluggish uh sluggish first half. Um so this is good for the Ravens, you know. After shaking off that rust 
um, after being after not having what actual in-game action for like three weeks, they they got the ball rolling. They didn't seem phased by uh, what the Texans were was giving to them at least for for the second half. So they managed to come back to life from the seven, from the opening gun in the second half and really took control once they did. And that's not even the best part of it for the Ravens now that their season is extended. They're getting their top option back, Mark Andrews, potentially for the AC title game. So if Andrews is officially cleared to go, then I don't know how um, their next opponent is going to be able to stop him. Like, really? I really don't. Because look at all those weapons now that have really stepped up. Um, not um, behind Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Aguilar, Bateman, Beckham. The, the options are endless for the Baltimore Ravens. It's like they're going to need their offense to go full throttle if they're going to get back to the Super Bowl uh, next week. So the options are endless for the Ravens. The only thing stopping them is themselves. So next, let's talk about the next game um, because the Ravens have already secured um, their spot, their home game for next week. But what about the other number one seed? So let's talk about the NFC Divisional matchup. The first one. Neck assisted of the seventh seeded Green Bay Packers going up against the top seeded San Francisco 49ers. These two teams did not meet each other um, in the regular season, but this is the 10th overall playoff meeting between these two teams. Uh, and the last time they met each other uh, two years ago, it was a lot of interesting stuff that happened in that game. And just to cut it short, uh, special teams played a big factor in that one. And that's no yes, Green Bay. And the Niners came out on top to go to the NFC Championship game. So this time around, it was in rainy ass uh, Santa Clara in Levi Stadium. So I uh, mean, weather once again playing a role in this one. But in this case, uh, it was playing a role in the way that the 49ers were playing. But more on that in a bit, because the Packers started this game winning the coin toss again and just like they did last week and just like they did uh, for how many ever many times they did late in the season they want they wanted to ball and it has in the infamous uh Tim Hasselbeck saying they wanted the ball and they were gonna score so they did they did end up scoring on their opening possession they only scored three points I mean the Niners red zone defense um did its job but um, they still got three points out of it. So, whereas the 49ers offense was really struggling in this one uh, to start out the game, Jordan Love and the Packers would once again reach the red zone again early in the second. But rather than take the points and take a 6 to nothing advantage, uh, they elected to go for it on fourth down and perhaps try to extend the drive, then get a bigger advantage. But he, Jordan Love was denied on a quarterback sneak. So, Niners... Save themselves for a bit. So when you look at Brock Purdy, on the other hand, um, in that Niners offense, they're really struggling. And to count on those struggles, uh, make those uh, struggles worse for them, they had lost their uh, one of their top receiving options in Debo Samuel to really make that offense flowing. So he got dinged up out, out of the game um, with what was initially ruled as a concussion, but later was ruled a sh shoulder injury. So Brock Purdy... He led the best drive uh, so far early in that in that game. Uh, gave the Niners a 7-3 lead. Dropped a bucket to George Kittle. And now you get to later in the game. Towards the end of the first half, the Niners had the opportunity to take a bigger advantage. A bigger 7-6 advantage. Uh, more than just a 7-6 advantage. But I really, like, as I said in my dedicated review um, on YouTube, I really disliked how Kyle Shanahan played the clock here. He, like, he really fucked up the clock uh the clock management because it was like a little bit over minute 40 when the Niners were like getting close to uh the end zone but it was just like like dude you have all three timeouts Green Bay's not calling one and rather than like continue to do chunk plays you're just like milking that clock down um and then then you're not even gonna call a play I'm not gonna even do a play I'm just gonna call a timeout like, what are we doing here? Like, what are they doing here on third and two? Um, and you're just going to milk that shit down. So 
He runs a couple more plays uh, down to the barely tens of, uh, 10 seconds and then goes for the field goal. And then instead of getting a 10 to 6 lead, it stays at 7 and 6 because guess what? Nick Moody. But actually, it's not actually his fault because that shit got tipped at the line. So, not necessarily his fault, but still, I really disliked uh, how that got uh, got handled by Shanahan. So, going into the, the next half, uh, Niners really continued to struggle on both sides of the ball. Meanwhile, for the Packers, Jordan Love and, the, and them were thriving in the rain and thriving off of their mistakes. Now, all of a sudden, you see... You see them taking a 13-7 lead. So even when the Niners responded to retake the lead at 14-13, they still had no answers to stop the Packers. They kept slipping, sliding, like it was a slip and slide. Uh, you know, when you go out in the summer, um, you dust off the, the slip and slide um, from, your, from your garage, and then you put out some water, and then call out your kids like, Hey, kids, let's go out and, and slide on our chests. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. But anyway, Jordan Love, he he convert he converts another touchdown to Tucker Craft at the goal line, and then he heaves it up to Aaron Jones to to convert the two point conversion. And now the Niners are forced to go get a touchdown uh, because they've seen now see themselves down 21 to 14 as the third quarter winds down. But then, then this is where things start to turn in their favor because Dre Greenlaw. Picks it off on Jordan Love. That's Jordan Love's first mistake of the game. And then going to the fourth quarter, Jake Moody actually makes a field goal. He actually made a field goal over 50 yards um, to cut the lead down 21 to 17. Next, the defense that has been struggling all night, um, that has been slipping and sliding. They finally forced the Packers to punt. The first punt all game early in the first quarter. And then Green Bay kicker, much late in the game, Anders Collison, another rookie kicker, by the way, he missed a pivotal field goal from 41 yards out. It was le- it was missed to the left. So a field goal that would have forced another touchdown uh, disadvantage for the 49ers. Anders Carlson missed it. So looking at this game, looking at where they were at right now for the 49ers and the Packers, the, the Niners were hoping that Brock Purdy would finally wake up. And, hey, he did. He saved this best for last, for as bad as he has been been. So he goes on a game-winning drive that saw some clutch throws to Jawan Jennings, Ayuk, uh, and Chris Conley, all two of them being the reserve receivers. And then he calls for Dr. Christian McCaffrey, CMC. And then on third and one, with a little bit over a minute left, he punches it in to give the Niners a 24 to 21 advantage. So now you look at Jordan Love and people are telling him, hey, you got a chance to really uh, define yourself. Define yourself as a hero, man. And unfortunately for the Packers, that did not happen because on first, it was actually for first and 10. Um, they already converted a third down. So that's that's a little bit of correction from, from my review. Um, so he made his worst throw of the year on a first on a first down with I think it was like a little bit over 50 seconds to go. He threw up a bad floater, a bad pass in where nobody was there, really, um, to Dre Greenlaw, second interception of the night and one that iced the game in the Niners spot in the NFC title game, 24 to 21. But I got to tell you, man, even as a Niners fan, I got to give my tip of the cap to Jordan Love. And the Packers, because they absolutely played like they deserved to be in that title game rather than us, man. <laughs> yeah, we made the most critical plays of the game, but for near, for most of that game, for like 58 minutes, a lot of, a lot of uh, the Packers, you know, where they were at that point in the season, they played with conviction. And, you know, look at where they were uh, midseason. They looked like they were ready for the offseason. Jordan Love was struggling. The receivers couldn't get anything going. Um, they didn't have Aaron Jones for much of the season because of injuries. And even mind that A.J. Dillon was not only struggling, but also dealing with injuries as well. And the defense led by Joe Barry, uh, the defensive coordinator, was also slowly starting to fade. 
But this last month or so, they proved us all wrong because, well, yes, there's still room for improvement from not just Jordan Love, but from everyone else. He proved that the Packers uh, potentially have found another diamond in the rough in Jordan Love. Jordan Love has made a lot of smarter decisions other than, you know, what happened in the divisional and precise throws. Aaron Jones is there. You got a lot of diverse weapons with like Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave. There's a plenty, a plenty of receiver, receivers in the game uh, for Green Bay. So it looked like the, the love and the pack were just that close to pulling off the impossible. And for 58 minutes, it looked every bit of possible. So for Green Bay, yes, their season is over uh, for for their fans, but rest assured, they will be back. They will be back. Um, and for now, they have some uh, decisions to make in the offseason. Like, do you extend Jordan Love? Um, do you give or do you let him ride that fifth year option? A couple of free agents. Um, do you keep Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator? Some decisions to make if you're the Packers going into a now very important offseason. Meanwhile, for my 49ers, um, I said this before in my review. I'm probably going to say it again. They, while they did not deserve to win this game, let's be honest here, they came in clutch. They came in clutch when they're mad, when it mattered most. Rust in the weather, yes, it sure played played a factor, but it shouldn't be an excuse for not only how unprepared they were for most of the game, but when the opposition played in those same elements and were playing much better. But nonetheless. They made the, the plays that mattered the most, especially from Brock Purdy um, in that offense and Dre Greenlaw on defense. Now they're back in their fourth NFC title game in five years. But it's not going to matter when they played like this next week against whoever they were going to play, um, whoever won that game on Sunday. So everyone on that Niners team is going to have to play way better than this game if they want to make it back to the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. So they're going to have to get a, a much better effort um, from what happened in the divisional game if they want to get back to the Super Bowl. So we're going to find out who the Niners were going to play um, in the NFC Championship game. It, the last NFC Divisional Playoff game on Sunday, which kicked off the Sunday slate of Divisional Weekend in Detroit. Yes, that is right. Detroit gets a second playoff game, and that involved the four-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the three-seeded Detroit Lions. And this was a rematch from their Week 6 meeting in which the Lions beat the Bucks in Tampa. But now this time around, it's in Detroit. It's in Ford Field. They get their Winter Slam of <laughs> sorts. I'm trying to play off some words of Summer Slam, but nonetheless, this is a big playoff field. For Detroit, they're on the verge of making that first NFC Championship appearance in over 30 years. Meanwhile, for the Bucks, they get an opportunity to go back to the NFC Championship game and potentially won without Tom Brady and since, like, well, forever, like over 20 years as well. So nonetheless, to cap that off after what felt like a turbulent season for Tampa, it, it would feel good for them. But first, they have they have, they would have to duke it out to fight for the right to face San Francisco in the NFC title game. So there were some big plays that were made early on in this game. Safety CJ Gardner Johnson for the Lions, uh, making that very first impression of the day, securing a tip pick off of Baker Mayfield early in the first quarter. Um, but the Lions couldn't capitalize on it that much. They were only limited to just a field goal, but they had the three nothing advantage. Um, from there, it was pretty much a stalemate. Um, and it was all tied up at three going to the second quarter. Um, but then they got a little interesting. Jared Goff led the lines down the field to get his team up 10 to three through a bullet pass nut from nine yards to an open. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Like where was the Bucks defense on that one? But nonetheless, um, it was 10 to three lines. And then midway through the second quarter, the Bucks put together their best drive of the game because Prior to that, they were really struggling um, in pass protection, um, defensively, pretty much all facets. Um, the Bucks put together their best drive. Um, and after being held to just a field goal attempt, um, unfortunately, 
it right, went right back to being down to dumps for them because Chase McLaughlin, the kicker, his kick went um, and hit the upright. So it stayed a 10 to three game. So unfortunately for the Bucks, it started to get um, really, really mellow, really, really uh, fainty uh, for their hopes. But they turned the corner. They turned the tide of the, of the game um, for a moment because they sacked Jared Goff on third down after the two-minute warning, forcing a punt and giving the ball back to Baker Mayfield in the offense. And from there, they went full two-minute drill. They killed the biggest weakness of the Lions, and that was their secondary. They got two big passes um, into Mike Evans, and the second one being key to set up the touchdown to tight end Kate Un, putting it, dropping it in the bucket, and tying the game at 10, going to halftime. So, hold on a second, folks. This game is not quite over yet. It's only halftime, and the score is tied at 10. And the Bucks, they look poised to score again, coming out of the half. But uh, this was kind of baffling. Like, on third down, they were at mid, they were like within field goal range, but then they allowed an ill advised sack. Like, uh, the, I don't know if it was the lineman. Um, well, I, I think it's both. The right tackle uh, allowed Aiden Hutchinson to go scot-free, but then Baker, and then Baker Mayfield didn't see um, Aiden Hutchinson coming. So, either way, you can't be taking that kind of sack on third and short, and let alone not even throwing it on third and short. So, they have to punt, and then, yeah, Jared Groff didn't fare that much better either. Um, especially with him missing one of his uh, key offensive linemen. And then there was another one that uh, left to injury, although he ended up coming back. But the Lions ended up getting together. Um, they marched back down near the near the end zone, and Jared Goff got another goal line touchdown to Craig Reynolds. They're back up 17-10, but the Bucks were right back there to answer. Um they're, despite their own wounds, um, Baker Mayfield um, also nearly taking an intentional grounding penalty, nearly because his butt almost touched the ground with nearly nobody, uh, nobody near within the ball when he threw it. So he made some big plays though to retie the game at 17. One of uh, one of those was the pass to Kate Otten, um to get the ball near the red zone, and Kate Otten made a great. Um, attempt, great made a great effort to keep that ball in bounds with the tiptoe effort, and then Rashad White, uh, he walked in untouched after a catch, uh, passing catch from Mayfield, and then yeah, that tied it up. But then the game went into potential shootout, uh, shootout potential because well they were right there to respond. Uh, a quick drive, like less than ten plays, because right as soon as that uh, the Tampa scored. I know it's kind of all over the place. Jameer Gibbs got a 30-yard run uh, to give the Lions the lead back, 24-17. to And then, just like I said, when we thought we were going to get a shootout in this game, just when we thought Tampa was going to respond, the Lions said, nah, uh-uh. Because they forced them to punt, and then they started to dish it out the hurt. They started dishing out a bunch of chunk plays, get them back into the red zone eventually, and then Jared Goff lobbed it up to Amon Ross St. Brown. And it might have been the capper. 31 to 17 with a little bit over, I believe it was like five minutes left to go in the game. But hold on a minute, folks. Hold on a second. Because Baker and the Bucks were not ready to quit yet. They were not ready to uh, sink their ship just yet because they cut the lead. They cut the deficit to 31 to 23 with just a little bit over three minutes left. But then, I didn't really agree with this decision, though. This decision was really questionable. Like, they rather than go for a 31 to 24 disadvantage, they instead decided to go for two. I'm not sure why Todd Bowles wanted to go for that. Um, I don't know, especially when they failed. They failed that two point conversion, and Mike Evans was looking for pass interference when. Yeah, it was a little behind, but it, 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 it's not it's not the call you should be making with so much time left on the clock, and you have a, a your full complement of timeouts. So that was 
a very bad decision by by Todd Bowles and that Bucks team because you know it would have been different if you were just go for the go for the field goal um, and then all you would need it was a touchdown to tie the game up take it to overtime and then yeah you got one more chance uh, to potentially um, tie the game up but unfortunately they blew it they blew it Baker Mayfield threw an open interception to Derek Barnes and that sealed the Lions ticket to the NFC Championship game for the first time since 1991 over 30 years the Lions are going to the conference championship game as they beat the Bucks 31 to 23. So let's start with the Bucks. Um, I think they played they played hard in this game, but unfortunately, um, just one too many mistakes. They just made too many mistakes um, that cost them this one, and that's why they're not going to the next round. So the defense that had been hampered all year. They were gashed in pretty much all phases. They could not find ways, to, other than a couple of sacks or two, they could not find ways to slow down uh, Jared Goff and that white hot, what that white hot Detroit offense. Ooh, I locked my, well, knocked my water down. I was like having a brain fart, and then now my water gets knocked down. Good thing it wasn't open. But nonetheless, um, they they just couldn't find ways to slow down that um, that Lions offense. And then meanwhile, offensively. Mayfield, yes, he had he had some good moments like those that three touchdowns um, to keep the Bucks alive, but he held onto the ball for too long. There were some missed opportunities um, from him himself, like four sack. He he allowed for himself to get sacked four times, and made two killer interceptions, one to start the game, and then the one that sealed their season. But nonetheless, you know they made it this far um, in a season that you know. Looked lost for uh, some points at the season. And, well, here they were. They made it this far. Um, they were, like, within reach. They were that close within reach of making it to the NFC title game. So, I think, you know, despite this loss, I think the Bucks should do all they can to re-sign Baker Mayfield in the offseason. Um, probably not to a, a big fat contract, like, you know, with the likes of, obviously, not Jalen Hurts money, Mahomes money, Josh Allen money. But, you know, to a modest um, contract extension, uh, a new modest contract, um, depending on what the money looks like. But you, you, have, you also have to get some, some more help on the defensive end in order to, if they want to get back into the playoffs and possibly go further. I mean, yeah, Baker Mayfield's not an elite quarterback until he proves otherwise. But until until he can fix those things, then, yeah, it's probably going to be the same result for the Bucks. Meanwhile, for the Lions, well... What else can you say? You got to be proud for where you are, where they are at this point uh, of the season, at this point of juncture, because they're doing something special, man. Um, you know, despite uh, some of their flaws, like you never would have thought that the former laughingstock of the NFL is now in the NFC Championship game. But if they want to have a chance to do something even more special, they're going to need their defense to really step up. They're going to need their defense to play like they did. Um, but even better to have a chance in San Francisco. And I'm talking about their secondary. It remains suspect, but they're going to need a lot out of that pass rush um, to pull away uh, from in that NFC title game. They got a crap ton of pressure on Baker Mayfield. Um, and that pressure led to a lot of errant throws, some sacks, two key turnovers. So there's something that they could build upon that 49ers offensive line. As we saw in that divisional game against the Packers, it literally had it's coming off one of its worst showings. So if the Lions can repeat that in the NFC title game against Brock Purdy, who surprisingly was like stuck in quicksand in the pocket for a lot of that game, if they can keep him in quicksand for for that game, the Lions can have a real chance and make a statement upset, and they could find themselves going to the Super Bowl for the first time ever. So. Now, at this rate, yes, anything can happen in the NFL. So the final the final comp, uh, conference game that we're going to talk about here, the final divisional game that we're going to be talking about here is, well, I think another matchup that we were all interested in, and that was 
an AFC divisional rematch between the three-seeded Kansas City Chiefs versus the two-seeded Buffalo Bills. This rematch, not just from their week 14 meeting, which the Bills won in Kansas City, but more importantly, a rematch from their memorable 2021 divisional playoff game two years ago. The Chiefs won that game in overtime to advance to the AFC title game. Now, if you're the Bills, yes, it's in your place now. It's in Buffalo. But regardless of that, even with that, even though I picked the Bills to win this one, would the result be different or would it be the same? Even though the Chiefs are playing their first road playoff game, their first true road playoff game under Patrick Mahomes, could they make the result different? No matter the place, no matter the location. Could the Bills finally get one? Could they get one to go to the AFC Championship game against their biggest rival they can never overcome in the modern era? So they got off to a a shaky start, though, but they managed to get three on the board. Um, and there's there's a little bit of shakiness, not just on the Bills side, but on on the, on the officiating side, because there were uh, there was like at least one or two plays where the Bills really got away with a lot of stuff, um, including one controversial play where Josh Allen lateraled the ball uh, past the line of scrimmage, and he threw it. He he lateraled it to running back Ty Johnson, but some were quick to point out how the Bills should have been flagged for an illegal forward pass because. I don't know. In my opinion, um, he kind of threw it backwards um, to me. But then, yeah, it gets also the argument that it was a tad bit forward. But either way, they didn't challenge it. They didn't flag him. So we're moving on. So the Chiefs tied it on their opening position. They kept it at a field goal. And then right from there and there, the Bills were right back in scoring position. They pounded the rock on the Chiefs. That running game for the Bills really excelled with Dalvin Cook, Ty Johnson, and that also included Josh Allen himself. And he got the uh, he got the score for the Bills. That gave them the 10-3 advantage early in the second quarter. But the Chiefs managed to get back in the end zone themselves um, on the ensuing drive. Actually, the red zone, actually. But the passing game stalled. Um, it was still out of sync. And they had to settle for a 10-6 deficit. So no touchdown for them quite yet. But they did manage to get their footing in um, a little while later. They take the lead 13-10. to Mahomes finds Travis Kelsey wide open for a touchdown. I'm not sure why the Bills' defense was like nowhere near Kelsey. Like It was like busted coverage. Um, nobody's there. Like what are, we, what are they doing? But as been the case for much of that first half, Josh Allen led the Bills right back into scoring position in the two-minute drill. Um Allen walked it in himself once again after James Cook botched the walk-in touchdown from earlier. So the Bills are up 17-13, going to halftime. And yeah, I mean, I it was I had something to say about the Bills. Oh, this might be their time, might be their thing, but it was only halftime. It was only halftime. Anything could happen. Because, well, as I said that, the Chiefs didn't back down. They didn't back down. They didn't quit. They put on their best John Cena um, because it only took them six plays. Literally six plays to get into the end zone. And half of those plays, it got them into the red zone. So it only took three plays for them to get back into scoring position. And three plays later, it only took a Travis Kelsey screen to retake the lead 20-17. to But for the Bills, it took them a little bit longer to respond. But nonetheless... They overcame some early down and red zone woes to have Josh Allen make a needle threader. He literally had to thread the needle to throw it into the arms of receiver Khalil Shakir um, from 13 yards out, who it was nearly out of bounds, but barely, just barely by the thick of his skin, got it into the arms, and the Bills were back up 20 to 14. And this was becoming a back and forth chess war um, to see, well, it's probably going to come down to uh, who is going to have that last score. Who's going to make that one mistake? Um, more on that in a bit, actually. So the Chiefs, once again, answered. Isaiah Pacheco notched a goal line touchdown to retake the lead 27-24. to And now, this is the point where, yeah, that chess battle was really going to come into play. 
Who is going to make that one mistake? Well, we all thought it was the Bills because when they were forced to go three and out, when they were forced to punt on that next possession, they made a really stupid decision. Like, why were they going for a fake punt deep in their own territory? They were, like, on their own 30, and they elected to have DeMar Hamlin run it on fourth and three, and he was, like, stopped. He was, like, really stuffed. Like, why? Like, you you can't be doing You can't be trying that kind of stuff in this environment. In a regular season game, eh, whatever. Like, it's fine. I, but still, you cannot be doing that in, in such a big environment when you know it's going to probably fail. And yet, they did it anyway. That's a bad decision made by head coach Sean McDermott. They were very lucky, though, that the Chiefs failed to capitalize because receiver McCall Hardman fumbled the ball out of the end zone, and then McDermott challenged it, and then he got what he wanted. He fumbled out of the end zone and gave the ball the ball the bill. The he gave the ball back to the Bills. So they couldn't capitalize on that though. They had to punt. And it was a bad punt, but in fairness, uh, the punter was hurt already a week prior. So the Bills had to come uh had to make a stop because their defense was already struggling and they haven't been able to stop him all night. So that's what they did. They got their biggest stop with seven minutes left to go. They finally forced Mahomes and the offense off the field, got him to punt, and now we had to get that big question out of the way. Could Josh Allen finally get that one big drive in to go and knock off their biggest demon in Mahomes and the Chiefs? And for at least six minutes, for at least six minutes, it looked like they were well on their way to doing that. They ran the ball down their throat. They got some good chunk check down passes in to get convert enough first downs. And they were like right there in the thick of the red, near the red zone. Um, and they were right there. But then they started making some very questionable throws, Josh Allen being, um, with one, 50, one minute 50 left. And then three downs later, they were forced to set up for a potential tie. Um, and it looked like they were going to get that potential tie, but nope. Instead, they faced an oh so familiar fate. Um, because Josh Allen couldn't get those uh throws in wide open, so instead, instead of checking it down, chucking it, and stretching the, the drive a little bit longer, they instead, with a little bit over a minute 40 now to go. They faced a oh some familiar fate from over 20 years ago. The two famous words in Buffalo, wide right. So Tyler Bass missed the tying kick wide right. And the Chiefs knocked out the Bills 27 to 24 after they get a two key first downs. And that sets up a date with the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Well. Uh, that pretty much answers my question. So, yeah, the Bills get their home divisional playoff game against the Chiefs, but different place, same result for the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, for the Chiefs, I mean, pretty much the same story for them. They were the more balanced team. Like, sure, they endured a couple of key injuries on the defensive end, but they made the plays when it mattered most. They stopped... They, they stopped Josh Allen. They forced they forced him to a lot of uh, pressure-induced throws, a lot of mistakes. Um, so they they pretty much did what they did needed to do defensively. Offensively, um, not exactly the best performance out of them, but pretty much, as I said with the defense, they they made the plays that mattered most. They they got they got the scores in the plays that they needed most. And also another thing, another key to victory uh, that I mentioned. Re- reintroducing Travis Kelsey as a force to be reckoned with. They did that in this game. So they started to get Travis Kelsey more involved. So they 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 got that too. So the Chiefs, once they um once they also started getting Travis Kelsey involved with Rashi Rice, hey, there you go. Meanwhile, uh, you know, this game is more more so about the Bills because my God, I mean, I mean kudos to Kansas City, but my God, the Bills had so many opportunities to win this game. And just like last year, just like in the divisional game two years ago, 
they blew it. They blew it. And I know the initial indication, the initial uh, blame was uh, that most people on social media, most people on TV, were going to place that blame on Tyler Bass because he kicked it wide right. Oh, he, he did the thing that happened 20 years ago too. But that they shouldn't even been in that spot to begin with. Look at how many opportunities they had to they had to win that game beforehand. Um, Josh Allen leading it to Stephon Diggs, and Stephon Diggs didn't catch that. He didn't secure that ball. And when they were making that final drive, um, minutes several minutes later, Josh Allen had Stephon Diggs wide open on second down, but instead he didn't trust him. He he, he didn't target him. He instead, like. Nail it. He decided to he decided to throw it to Shakir in the end zone, and he failed. He threw it well below Shakir. He failed. I know, I'm kind of stumbling my words a bit, but it's just like, damn. It's just kind of buffling. Very disappointing at, at how buffling these bills are. <laughs> I know it, it's it's so very disappointing that I can't even get my words across. So anyway, third down, he had two receivers wide open that could have gotten the first down, and yet he instead rolled right and dumped it again into the end zone. Like, don't you think that Josh Allen needs to be held accountable? Like, is, what, shouldn't that be your first instinct? That for as Josh Allen has willed his way um, to, to his team, like he's fought he's fought and scrapped his team into this game that don't you think that you know he couldn't he couldn't will them into the win? He he couldn't he couldn't come clutch when it mattered most. Yes, I, I like I said, he pretty much fought for for the team. Like for a full what fifty fifty eight minutes. But in that last minute, couldn't do it. Couldn't come couldn't come up with the result that mattered most, and that was the win. So, Allen in the offense had too many missed opportunities, and it cost them the game. It cost them a game that they could have won late. So, that's why they're going home after the second round, again, for the third straight year. So, this is a bonus point for them. This is a bonus takeaway from them. I feel like something's got to change. Something has to change for the Bills this offseason because like I said this is the third straight year that the Bills got eliminated in the second round and that was because of their own doing too many mistakes like too much self-inflicted wounds from their quarterback and their defense and I get it their defense was really beat up but it's like they had they have to do something they really have to get over the hump because at some point the higher-ups have to start considering maybe as soon as this coming week or next, some change, like some change has to be made. And I look at Sean McDermott. I look at Sean McDermott, the head coach. Yes, he was a great shot in the arm when he first arrived. He got him uh, slowly but surely into contention. But since that 2020 AFC Championship game um, that they came short in, he hasn't figured out how to get back there. His defenses have regressed. His quarterback is now choking in two straight divisional games. And he's making a good amount of mistakes, not just there, but in the regular season. That's nearly costing his team games and costing some games. And not to mention the fact that they were almost not in this spot to begin with because of such deficiencies. So I feel like at some point, you know, where the front office, ownership, what have you, they have to start considering some changes in Orchard Park. Because you can't be wasting Josh Allen's prime of his career with with how much they're coming up short. They're always coming up short in these last, what, four years now? It's going to be reaching four or five. It's just so many. It's just so many now. It's like, I don't even know if you could call it cursed anymore. Because they're just like that one pin, pin away from reaching the Super Bowl. Like it feels like it's their year, but then it gets stripped away by their own doing. So I feel like something has to change. I really feel like something has to change for the Bills. 
this offseason. And also keep in mind, they have a, like a lot of key free agents. And they might have to do something about Stephon Diggs too. So a lot of things to consider for the Bills this offseason as they now have to watch, once again, the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So speaking of those title games, they are now set. The final four is set, ladies and gentlemen. So on the AFC side, you have the Chiefs and the Ravens. The Chiefs have to play another road game um, as the Ravens are the top seed. So that should be an interesting matchup. Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson in Baltimore for the right to go to the Super Bowl in a Mahomes versus Jackson matchup um, in where it matters most. And in the NFC title game, you have the Detroit Lions versus my San Francisco 49ers. The first overall pick from 2016 versus the last pick in the 2022 NFL draft. So some fun storylines to cover um, in these title games. And we're going to be talking about them here on Veracold Lasagna this coming week. And should be should be interesting. Should be an interesting uh, title games pending. You know, they're not uh, blowouts and stuff, but we'll see. And like I said earlier, anything can happen in the NFL, uh, especially considering what happened uh, this week on Divisional Weekend. So let me know what your thoughts are on this Divisional Playoff Weekend in the comments below. Um, did your team manage to pull out the win or did your team get sent home packing? Let me know in the comments below on YouTube or if you're listening to this on audio or if you're following me on social media, make sure you send me a message um, through DM. I'd like to know your thoughts, um, your take on Divisional Round Weekend 2023. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Sometimes very stressful Divisional Weekend, um, but it was fun. It was a fun Divisional Weekend. So anyway, that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna, episode number 175 of this icy yet spicy podcast. We'll be back to talk about several things, uh, several things to talk about. Um, the two conference championship games, the Royal Rumble is this weekend as well. So I got something planned for that as well. And then the next week, we'll be doing the same Japan, recapping the championship games, recapping the Royal Rumble. So, so good stuff. So good stuff coming up in the next two weeks. So stay tuned for all that. But until then, Keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. Thank you again for tuning in. But until the next one, peace out.